Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, Absolute delight to be with you all here today. Massively appreciate the invitation to come and be part of your community and what God is doing here for, for a morning. And I, I, this, here, this in the right way, I feel like I'm falling in love with Tim uh, in terms of just watching his heart for the Lord and watching the openness to just, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Be amongst us. And uh, so, yeah, just feeling a real kind of uh, brotherly love. I don't know how to phrase that without sounding weird, but just, just this sense of uh, seeing the window into another community and somebody leading the charge into all that the Father has for us. Because everything that God has for us, there's a freshness about it, there's a newness, and it's so easy to stay in what's familiar. And one of the words over the last year that the Lord has been saying to us is, you've got to fight the pull of the pragmatic. Because there's a pragmatic pull. There's a sense of, can we know to do? Can we get back to what we know, what we're familiar with, what we're used to? We don't want to pioneer into something new because it's scary. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 16, when the apostle Paul uh, is writing to the Corinthians, he says, and there's a great door of effective work open to me, and there are many who oppose me. So opportunity and yet opposition. Whenever you're pioneering, it's both things. There's a sense of great new day ahead of us, and then there's this, uh, the fear of the unknown. Will it work? Can we do it? Nobody else seems to be going that way right now. And so I'm just commending the heart that is exploring and listening and fighting the pull of the pragmatic. And you're also gonna have to fight resist the comfort of the familiar. We're we're people who like things the way we know them. And the Lord is saying, fight the comfort of the familiar. Um, uh, There's a whole message in this. I'm gonna give you the one word of the message. And it was, uh, I had five words. The first word, this is in January, was the word stop. It came to me while I was praying and I felt the Lord saying, there's a hard, sudden stop that you've been through. It's a cessation of movement and it's divinely designed to get your attention. It's divinely designed to wake you up as a church. It's divinely designed to remove, have you come out of the Laodicean spirit that's been over much of the church in the West mostly asleep, kind of love God, happy with middle class lives that, you know, want our kids to go to church, we want them to be morally good, but like sold out, on fire, radical, not so much. Let's have it in a controllable, palatable Jesus. And in the midst of it, the Lord designs a hard, sudden stop And he gets our attention and he says, wake up church. This is your finest hour and you've got to resist the comfort of the familiar that you're used to. Embrace the unknown. Uh, Because you know the one who leads you is trustworthy. You know the one who is leading the charge, ultimately Jesus, that you're safe with him. I mean, you're kind of safe. 
you know that your life is safe with him, but you also know that he leads into uncharted territory. And it's not always easy. I, I imagine this all the time over the last six months or so when he said, come follow me, and you're in your office, Matthew in the tax collector's booth, and I want to ask, is it for an hour? Is this a 30-minute break and I'm going to talk to you? Am I coming back to this job? And he doesn't tell them. And he doesn't tell Peter, and he doesn't tell John, and he doesn't tell Nathaniel. And it's just, come, follow me. And my Western mindset says, couldn't we figure this out a little bit before I follow you? What are you really asking? And instead, Jesus says, come, I'll tell you as we go. And so he is safe because he's king and he's Lord and he loves us ever so deeply. He laid his life down, but he leads us into uncharted territory. And I'm absolutely convinced in the midst of all of that, God's bigger storyline is one of another great move of the Spirit. Call it a move of the Spirit, call it an awakening, uh, call it revival, what, whatever language you want to use. It's a, it's a visitation of God that leads to societal transformation. As I look back over history and I see how God has moved in history, it's moments where I think Duncan Campbell, who was involved in the Hebridean revival, he used the phrase, revival is a people saturated with God. And his explanation was, all of a sudden, God steps down and eternal things suddenly matter. People who were caught up with temporal things are now aware of eternal things. A day earlier, an hour earlier, the pension was important, the car was important, the house was important, retirement was important, the new film that came out was on their, in their forefront of their minds. God steps down, a people saturated, eternity becomes real. People are thinking, where am I going? What's happening? What is my life all about? Not necessarily because they heard a sermon or heard a preacher. In fact, in the Hebridean revival, a ship, and this happened many times, passing by the Hebrides, and whether it was soldiers or a regular ship, they would fall to their knees just in the environment of the Hebrides with nobody preaching. And the stories were, they were just aware of eternal things, eternal matters. What would it look like if in the UK, revival fires started in cities all over our nation, all over these nations, Scotland and Wales and all of our little islands? What, what would it look like if, if a wave of that spread throughout the world as we know it? Because I'm, I'm convinced it's not going to come to one geographic location this time. I believe God's starting something in many places to bring societal transformation and to cause people to come into the knowledge of him. And we are about to see, I don't know whether it's a year away, 10 years away, I really don't know, 20 years away, but the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. And the church at the moment isn't ready for what's coming. And so the, what the Lord does, he invites us into his story Life is really a battle of story. Which story will you believe? 
which story will you live? Which story will you share with your children? Which story will consume you? And I think in the Western church, our stories have been too small. They're mostly focused around ourselves. And I know the Lord loves us. I really do believe he cares for us, he'll provide for us. But part of what he's doing in this divine stop is inviting us into a bigger storyline, a far greater narrative than just finishing our own race, making sure our families are good or our ministries are good. It's the Father's big story and our small stories play into God's big story. And I kind of hear the Lord saying, lift up Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O your gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. It's Jesus, the King of glory, and the Lord is saying to his church in this hour, lift up your heads, O you gates. There's a bigger story. We, can go to, we could go to Isaiah 40, prepare the way of the Lord. We're preparing the way for the king. Mountains being brought low, valleys being raised up, rough places being made smooth, crooked places being made straight, all in preparation for the king to come. And there's so many metaphors or analogies we could use. The king coming is actually that awareness of eternity. The king coming is that sense of revival. The king coming is, is when we experience a move of God and society begins to transform. Is it possible? Do we see it? Some of my heroes in history where they, I can see what God has done and it gives me some kind of frame of reference of what he could do again. So I think back to Wesley, really just one man, on a horse, no speed of travel, no speed of communication, uh, five decades of traveling around under the power of the Spirit within him. He was one who lifted up his head and then the king comes and he's a gateway. He then opens up and the kingdom comes through him and it impacts lots of other people. So when the Lord says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, first the transformation happens in us and then transformation to others flows through us to the world around us. What God does in you is greater than what God does through you. It always starts with what's happening on the inside. And then it flows out to the world around us. So by the end of John Wesley's life, more than 70,000 Methodists in the UK, more than 40,000 in the States, I'm talking like 1700s, no airplanes, no email, no live broadcast, everything moved slow, apart from when there's a move of God and fire starts to awaken people all over a nation. Or you could go and look at um, uh, William Booth in the 1800s, late 1800s, uh, him and Catherine started the Salvation Army. And all of a sudden, you go, while he was still alive, again, no speed of travel, no speed of communication. This wasn't clever strategy. This was the breath of God moving. During his lifetime, they're in 55 countries have Salvation Army outposts. That's crazy. 
How does that happen? Today, churches celebrate if they've got 10 campuses or they've planted 50 churches and we're like, we're doing really, really well. And with all of our speed and with all of our leadership skills and, with, and yet the Lord is saying, let me show you what I've done to show you the echo of what I'm gonna do again. It won't happen the same way. It won't look identical. But I'm trying to tell you, he did it with Charles Finney. I think 1821 was it, Charles Finney walks into a forest and it says he went into the forest to pray. He wasn't a believer then, but he felt the pulling of the spirit. And it's the, the phrase in Oswald J. Smith's book, Why, uh, The Revival We Need, he has this phrase, and God met him there. And every time I read that, I think he will still meet people who will go into a desolate place, into a private place, and say, God, I want to meet you. Would you transform me? So I'm giving you a little bit in history, what revival looked like, what happened, how it brought societal transformation. We could go through many of them, but I mean, in Wales, I think over 100 or 150,000 people in just about nine months came to Christ. One uneducated coal miner who spent about th from 13 years old to 26 years old burdened in the place of prayer, and then God visits. And just the transformation that takes place, it, it far surpasses what humans could do, even if they sat around with the cleverest of brains and tried to work out what they could do. Since I've been a little boy, I've been fascinated with revival. Never thought it early on, and only over the last four or five years started to realize, I think the Lord put the fascination there because he's gonna do it again. And, and I love what... Um, Habakkuk the prophet says uh, in Habakkuk 1.5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if you were told. And the Lord says, you see the echoes of it in Acts. You see the echoes in history. I'm going to come again. I'm going to do this again in your day. We could go through, I'm not going to do it today, but I could go through some of the biblical promise for revival. Same book of Habakkuk 3.2 is the prayer, Lord, do it again. We've heard about it. Would you do it again? Uh, Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's a prophecy that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Hasn't happened yet. Or you could go to Psalm 67 and see the, the passion of the psalmist who says, Lord, would you bless us so that the nations would praise you. Every tribe, every tongue would come to know you. There's a cry in the heart of God for every tribe, every people group. And I believe it will be done where the knowledge of God fills the earth. I'm going to give you application in just one moment. I make one point. So I give you a little bit of a picture of revival. I know we're in transition as, well, the whole globe in some ways changing. I know um, 2019, November, I felt the Lord saying to me, I'm going to take you through the most significant season of unlearning. I, I like learning things. I don't want to unlearn things. I've spent all that time learning them. And yet I felt the Lord saying, you're going to unlearn. And really, that's what the last 18 months has been. My paradigms and assumptions about ministry and how the Lord works and what he does and what the future looks like have all been questioned and challenged. I've had to go back to scripture to wrestle them all over again. 
Then he spoke to me about four weeks ago and he said, and now I'm about to take you through personal change. You'll never be the same again. I'm still in the midst of that. It doesn't sound exciting. It sounds painful. So those two things are huge. One, I'm gonna change the way you view the world, the church, the kingdom, and what I'm doing, which is massively destabilizing because everything you've known it, the way you've built and what you've been doing is being challenged by the Lord. And then secondly, he says, and now I'm gonna transform you as well. And I realize in the midst of all of that change, the enemy tries to piggyback off the back of it. And if he can, he wants us to lose our identity. He wants us to lose some of our relationships in our community. And, and, and the warning of the Lord would be, would be, what I'm doing is right, and it's okay to be challenged in all those areas and to be personally transformed, but stay rooted in Father's love and stay rooted in the community where I've got you because that will hold you steady. Don't believe the enemy's lies because in the midst of change, the enemy tries to pick it with chaos or confusion or anxiety. And we've got to stay rooted in Father's love, in his embrace. So you hold all of that. Here's the one of the comments I was going to make before I give you application. And the comment is simply this. Um, we are going to see a greater raging against the king and his kingdom in the world. So Isaiah 60, verses one and two, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Uh, see, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but the glory of the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Um, there's this great light coming on you and great darkness in the world, and it's gonna increase, Isaiah prophesying it. Or you could read in Psalm 2, about the nations and the kings raging against the lordship and leadership of Jesus the king. And, and it's a prophetic psalm, they're coming against him and they wanna throw off God's paradigm, God's perspective, God's rule. We don't wanna live your way, we don't wanna believe what you say. We think your standards are old fashioned. So they wanna throw off what God is saying and the nations rage against him. So I'm trying to help us to understand revival is coming God's on the move, but we're going to see an increase of this raging against those who would say, we do believe in the Lordship of Jesus. We do believe he has the best way to live. We believe if we follow the way that the creator made for us, it's going to lead us into better lives, wholesome lives, better relationships. And yet there's a raging against that. So the challenge for us as followers of Christ is to make sure we are rooted firmly in what the Lord has. I'm hoping I'm helping you a little bit. Maybe I'm giving you too much information. So where, where do we, what, what, what do we do? So what do you do today? What do you do at the end of this? We're talking about revival. We're talking about God moving. We're talking about societal transformation. I'm trying to urge us not to just go back to the comfort of the familiar or the pull of the pragmatic but to embrace the leadership of Jesus. And if I was gonna give you one thing to do today, my, my one thing simply would be to grow in the knowledge of God, to grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Let me say it a few different ways, but it's the same thing, to fix your eyes on Christ, to be absolutely fascinated with Jesus the King, to know him and to pursue him above all else. 
There's a lot of people that want, like, tell me 10 things I should do. Tell me what church will look like. Tell me what it's going to, and I, I realize that it's, we, we as Westerners in the Western world with our education, we want to put a plan on it straight away. And the Lord is saying, resist that. There's been an idolatry in the church of leadership. We've so worshipped leadership books and leadership principles, and the Lord is saying, that's going to come down. That idol has to come down. You're going to learn to be childlike again. In other words, he's going to say, come, follow me, and you're going to follow him, not knowing what everything ahead of you looks like, but trusting him. And instead of the idolatry of leadership, we're going to have the supremacy of Christ's leadership being demonstrated and lived out in the way that we choose to live our days, make our decisions every single day. There's a phrase that somebody said this morning which really gripped me because it's a phrase I've been using and I wasn't going to speak on this part this morning until he said that phrase. But the phrase is, there is more. Most Christians think they know Jesus. Most Christians think they understand who he is, what he's done, but actually we put him in a little box, we pull him out when we're feeling a bit low and he's like, no, I'm king. Uh, you know, Revelation chapter five, when nobody's found worthy who can open the scroll and everybody's weeping. And I think it's the angel who says, do not weep. See the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. He is worthy to open the scroll and the seven seals. Jesus is worthy and Jesus is coming back to his church for a takeover. And he will not be placated and he won't be domesticated. He is, I know he's safe, but he's scary. He's on the move in our land again. He's coming to take his church back because he laid his life down for his church. And I, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I'll just give you the one verse here. For no one can lay, verse 11, any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. No foundation except Christ. Hebrews 12 tells us, verse uh, 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Ephesians 1 tells us when this famous apostolic prayer, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So I, when I first got this a few years ago, I was like, he's praying for a spirit of wisdom, praying, praying for a spirit of revelation. What for? Church planting, leadership, miracles. He says this, so that you may know him better. I'm like, is that it? <laughs> I thought you were going to give me some new strategy. I pray that you were going to give me some new wisdom about. No, I'm praying you would have Holy Spirit wisdom, Holy Spirit revelation, primarily to know Him better. We're too easily satisfied. We think we know, we think we've got it figured out, and yet God is way, way bigger. He's on the move, the King is coming. And, and I would say, I, I know my time is, I didn't even look at the clock because we went so weird on the clock. I was looking at it and then I forgot. It's interesting, nothing will enlarge the human heart like seeing and savoring who Jesus is. And when you grow on the inside, 
little lusts, little powers, little addictions become what they are, powerless. Why? Because you're growing on the inside and enlarging as you gaze upon him. You and I, we were created to know him, to swim in the knowledge of who he is. I'm absolutely convinced the greatest calling for every single human is to grow in the knowledge of who God is. And nothing transforms you more than that. You know, when I got married almost 25 years ago to Esther, I, I started to grow because of my knowledge of Esther, her perspective on life. It changes who you are. Isn't we, we got four kids. Uh, one's married, so my wife always tells me we've got five. We've got five kids. Having them in the home, grow, you grow in the knowledge uh, of them, and it changes who you are. I've traveled to other nations, and I see other peoples and groups, and it grows you in the knowledge of who you are. And as you grow in the knowledge of that, you change as an individual. But nothing will change you like seeing God. I think it was the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards. He said, if you see the whole of creation and you don't see Christ, you are infinitely parochial. He's inviting us into a far bigger story. It's why the apostle Paul in Philippians 3 can say, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of knowing Christ. I want to know him. Everything else, rubbish. And he just listed his, his, his credentials, a Benjamite of Benjamites, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, all it, planted churches, raised the dead, suffered for the gospel, wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, all of it I count as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth, the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Captivated by the King. Today I meet people who are captivated by a thousand other things. Fascinated by so much. Churches fascinated by leadership or Israel or by intercession or by church planting or by... You pick your uh, demonology, spiritual warfare, pick your key hobby. Somebody somewhere is fascinated. Where are the people who are fascinated with and have set their hearts on a trajectory? I'm going to know him. I'm going to delve into the riches of who he is. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything we need is in Christ. And yet today, Paul would say, I'm still wanting to know him. Paul would pray for the Ephesus church, I want you to know him. That was a church born in revival. It's the only letter he writes where he doesn't tell anybody off. They're an upbeat, growing revival church. And yet he says, my number one prayer is that the Holy Spirit would help you to know him better. So I'm, my application is really, really simple today. There is more to Jesus than we realize. And as we become a people who will be revival ready, I could give you five keys or six keys or say, do this or embrace prayer, enter into a happy holiness because consecration's important, praying's important, developing a hunger and thirst are really important. But I'm also convinced, rather than giving you a load of keys, if I say, look to Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Lord himself will lead you on the path that's important for you as a community, for you as an individual, and he will lead you everywhere he wants you to be as you keep your eyes focused on him. We're gonna pray. You can just uh, maybe just hold your hands out in front of you. And we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come. Hallelujah.
I do sense over you, Tim, you said the word pioneer over us, but I actually felt it for you as well, that there's a pioneering grace over you, really, really strong. And uh, I don't think anybody's trying to limit you, but sometimes what we've been through in the past can so, so shape where we're headed. Um, but where the Lord may take you might look different from where you've come from. And I'm just encouraged that your heart's already there in terms of a pioneer. So, Father, I thank you for Tim. Thank you for Rachel. Thank you for their heart for you. And I just declare over them uh, this same spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we know it's the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would grant them wisdom, revelation to know you better, to know the hope to which you have called them, the inheritance you have for them, and the incomparably great power for those who believe. I pray that you show them the next season, show them the next step or two. Thank you, that's all you require, that we just walk in obedience in everything that you call us to. And I think that there's gonna be a pioneering of a new and a fresh way, not written about in a book, not learnt from a human, but it comes in the secret place of being with Jesus. In Jesus' name. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you anoint him afresh? I thank you that there's, 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 there's new significant steps ahead of him that will actually end up defining the future and defining who he becomes. Encounter with you in the next season, oh God. I pray for dreams and visions and encounters. I pray for revelation from God's word to come to uh, Tim and to Rachel and even to the leadership in the community here. Um, I kept seeing while we were worshiping like a, a portal being opened. I don't have a theology around that. It's just a word that I said it then. It's like a, like a thin place, might be more acceptable for some people. It's a place where heaven and earth collide. But I felt like there's gonna be a uh, just a, a deluge and all sorts coming through that from the Heavenly Father for yourselves. Some of it's about revelation and wisdom. Some of it's about unlocking spiritual gifts. You're gonna start seeing things coming. And uh, I, I, know, uh, I don't really know Noah on the drums, but um, he was at my daughter's wedding. I think he's friends with Tom. So he said hi to me. But every time I saw you on the drums, I felt the Lord saying he's, and I say to you, you're a flame of fire. And I actually saw, I don't know, you can weigh this, but saw you crisscrossing geographically many places. I get the sense you're gonna preach, but I'm not, I don't think it's gonna be limited to preaching. But I feel like you're gonna open up communities, break open stuff, and you'll be one of those Psalm 24 people. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, so that the King of glory comes in. And, and, and I see over you this happy holiness, this sense of dedication to Jesus, but with it a tremendous authority. I mean, I dare say it's an apostolic call on your life, one that can change, it shifts an atmosphere, it breaks open territories. I believe the Lord has that for you. And then I was looking at the bass player, I don't know your name, Dan, Dan. I, I felt for you, Dan, just, this doesn't sound as good as that, but it is whatever the Lord gives us. I, I actually saw a real breakthrough in the place of uh, intercession. I believe that the Lord's called you and I think the enemy's tried to contend for it over your life. He'll try and get you, it's like prophetic stroke intercession 
but a place where you can see the manifestation of God's kingdom because of what you pray, because of how you pray, that you will learn to partner with the Lord, agree with Him, and then birth it on the earth in the place of prayer. I don't think it's limited to that. I think there's many other things that you'll do, but I felt the Lord wanted that spoken over you to invite you into that place of prayer, into the secret place. And you'll realize that as you see what He's showing you and you say yes to it, and then you pray it, you actually see His kingdom coming. That there's an authority in there. There's a, it, again, that happy holiness is really important. Uh, it, it's really important for us all to understand you have authority to the degree that you walk in proximity to the King. You don't, I know we do legally have authority in Christ the moment I'm born again. But actually, it, it works in proximity. So, and I like the phrase happy holiness. I, I think I made it up about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Just like, I don't mean a somber, I can't do anything. It's this joyful, Lord Jesus, why would I wanna do anything other than what pleases you? And as you embrace that happy holiness and authority to shift things in the spirit realm is yours. And so, Father, I pray over Dan, pray over Noah, uh, and we all just lift them before you and pray that you would give them encounters with you to expand what they're hearing today. And I pray that every attack of the enemy, every plan of the enemy would be brought to naught. I pray for new fire to come into Noah. I pray that it, it is, his vision for his life would be expanded as he sees the Lord over him that he would see himself with this anointing, breaking open territories because of who he is with you in Jesus' name. And for Dan, Lord, I pray that he would know a joyful, happy holiness in you and the realization that he can shift atmospheres in the secret place of prayer because of his friendship with you and him trusting you and walking with you in Jesus' precious name. Father, we just lift up our hands before you. I pray for dreams to awaken. I pray that you would lift our vision so that we would see the bigger narrative of what the Father is doing. Help us not to keep our eyes just on the small and the parochial. I thank you that you're lifting us up, even out of our brokenness. I just say to the lady on the back row with your hands raised, I feel the Lord saying, even the journey that you've been through where there's been weariness and misunderstanding and there's maybe been dreams in the past that it feels like, will they ever happen? Could they ever happen? I feel, the, and, and I'll do this, I'll just declare it over you. Strength on the inside in Jesus' name. Strength for the battle, healing in your own heart and emotions where there's been weariness and tiredness that you'll know a new energy from the Holy Spirit and that you will dream again and hope restored to you again. And Father, I pray not only the dreams that she's dreamed before, but real Holy Spirit um, uh, uh, leading in Jesus' name. And anything of self and anything that came out of just thinking would fall away and there'd be a purity of devotion to you and a purity of seeing the fullness of what the Father has. I pray over you an alignment, uh, an absolute alignment to kingdom purposes. I feel like the enemy's trying to contend by trying to throw confusion in. 
And I just pray that that confusion would be gone and that you would know clarity. One of the names of God is Jehovah or God is light. And I just declare that light over you, over your relationships and any bit of darkness or chaos or confusion to be dissipated in the name of Jesus today. And Father, I think lastly, over this community, I just pray for a, a new sense of walking in encounter with God. I pray for dreams of the night, visions even in the day. I pray that so many as they say yes to you today would be caught up into the biggest storyline that the Heavenly Father has for them. Uh, even in this next seven days, Lord, I pray for dreams dreams that set their course. Uh, I pray for visions, even angelic encounters. Everything we read in the book of Acts, I thank you that it's legal. It's the way that your kingdom operates. And I pray for the fullness of the kingdom of God in this community in the days ahead. For those watching online who are hungry for more, I just declare there is more for you. And if you would keep your eyes on Jesus, we don't keep our eyes on an encounter. We're not just focused on an experience. We keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He's our King. We have radical obedience to Him. He leads us in the fullness of what He has for us. And so I pray the same for you. Just the beginning of a new season. I'm, I'm from a Pentecostal background, so we normally allowed nine closings, but this really is my last one. And, and it's just simply this. About six weeks ago, I heard the Lord say just in the morning, it was a Sunday morning, I felt the Lord saying, unprecedented activity of the Spirit has begun. And nothing seemed to change in the natural, but I want to declare that over us today. Unprecedented activity of the Spirit has begun. There's a Luke 4:18 generation being released on the earth. The next season is moving away from leadership to laity. We'll always have leaders. We honor our leaders but there's an unveiling of the bride that is coming. The Lord is unveiling His bride. He's saying He's gonna loose them and let them grow. Loose them and let them go. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, but we're gonna move from believing in it to practicing it. So I declare, give us a vision. Help us to see what you see and help us to feel what you feel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.